Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning, world, and welcome in. I don't know why I did a weird radio voice. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trust the Tape, episode 46 million and three. I'm Jeff Cavanaugh, JC1053 on the Twitter, alongside my co-host, the great Dane Brugler at DP Brugler. Good morning, Dane. Good morning. We, uh... It's a little sad. College football season is officially over, but I guess that means we can officially kick off draft season. Uh, and I, we've got College Gridiron Showcase going on right now. That's the fourth All-Star we game. Got what? The College Gridiron Showcase. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm headed at the practice after after we uh, where do they, record this, actually. Where do they practice? Uh, actually, here in Addison. Uh, oh, Addison, Texas. Yeah. How about it's, that? It's you know the Senior Bowl is number one. Uh-huh. Uh, then the Shrine Game, uh-huh. and the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, uh-huh. and then the College Gridiron Showcase is the fourth one. Uh, the Tropical Bowl might might have a uh, an argument there, but I think they're wait. Fifth. There's five. There's like eight. Okay. Um. Yeah. You know, there's an FCS one. There's a lower division. Uh. Th- there's plenty of All Star games that go around. I think most people only know about the top two or three. But uh, you know we got to find those players. You got you got to mine for uh, for some gold. All right. Well, if somebody does good at the Addison All Star Game or whatever you said it's called, do they get to go to another one? Do they get to like climb the ladder all the if, way up? If they make that much of an impact, uh, they could be a, a possible uh, yeah injury replacement. You never know. Uh, you never know who's watching. But uh, you know, there's all 32 teams have scouts uh, at the at the practices. Uh, I saw Ted Thompson was there. Uh, former GM now, the the Packers. So there's plenty of representation uh, from the NFL at this game. Okay, well, you just started Trust the Tape after the national championship Oh, that game was last night, wasn't it? With, uh, what was that game called The again? College Gridiron with Showcase. the Gridiron case of the show. We, we just watched the national championship, It was pretty man. good. No, it was the national championship, and it was incredible, and we pretty much got everybody we wanted to play as advertised. And some better. Yeah. I mean, before doing prospects, I want to say this. I hate Nick Saban. I hate him more than ever today because he's just been robbing us of great college football forever. Nick Saban's team is so flipping good. That he recruits quarterbacks and he's like, listen, we don't want to score. The goal is not to score. The goal is not to turn the ball over. Yeah. So that way we can win at the end because people can't score on us. Like, he's had a quarterback for, what is this, Hurts? Is this his third year? Uh, second, second year. year. Okay, so it hurts his second year. Twenty five and two as a starter, I believe. Yeah, he's just like, hey, listen, don't ever throw a pick, and you can play forever. Yeah, one, one, one they're down by thirteen, and he has to mash the panic button because yeah. it's like, wait, we've never been here. I don't know how to do this. We got to bring in the guy to try to score. This is crazy. <laughs> There's points. What are we going to do now? Oh yeah. my god, bring in the freshman. Thank God he was awesome because he made the game fun. Quarterbacks and kickers. Uh, Open it up, Nick. Open it up. But it seems like uh, Nick Saban finally does have a quarterback with the emergence of uh, Tua T. 
so many ways to unwrap this game, but I think we have to start with the freshman quarterback from Hawaii. I think we have to start with Jalen Hurts. Uh, thoughts and prayers. Where is he going to transfer to? Yeah, maybe running back in the same backfield. I don't know because I don't think he's a quarterback. So maybe another team will give him a shot. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, credit to him for the way he handled things after the game. I mean, he just won a national title. He shouldn't be too upset, but he has to know that uh, you know, his time as Alabama's quarterback is coming to an end. At Tua, he had 29 throws, pass attempts this year against Power 5 opponents. He had 24 in this game, so he had no experience. It took a lot of guts for Saban. I know he didn't have a choice, really, with the way Hurts had played, but it still takes a lot of guts to go to the true freshman, so inexperienced in that spot, and just kind of throw a Hail Mary, and hey, it worked out. Yeah, it was... um... I remember at halftime, it was 13 to zero and I sent out the tweet that was like, man, 13 seems like uh, too much yeah. for Jalen Hurts. And then sure enough, he's not the quarterback. I was like, oh, wait a minute. This could be fun. Mm-hmm. And we're letting the ball rip. Uh, it was overtime was my favorite part because watching overtime, you have Jake Fromm on third down take a sack that you can't take Yeah, where, Hey, we're in field goal range. And then, Oh my God, we're kind of in field goal range. We're going to ask our college kicker to kick it 51 yards. Sure enough. He makes it the rec specs. And then Tua takes an even worse sack. Yeah. <laughs> this is like 15 yards. Second and 26, 16 yards, but he was just setting it up. He just needed more field <laughs> to throw the bomb to win a national championship. So it was awesome. That was one of the best games I've ever watched. The first half was boring. The second half was incredible. And the individual players that, you know, we're focusing on for draft purposes, so many of them showed up and were oh, as yeah. good or better than advertised. Roquan Smith was incredible. As Georgia usual. linebacker. The, the last, what, four games, Georgia Tech, the SEC championship game against Auburn, uh, he had a few bumps in the first half against Oklahoma, but overall it was a great game uh, in the semis. And then last night uh, against uh, against Georgia, yeah, Ro- or against Alabama, Roquan Smith was outstanding. He, I, I think, he cemented himself as one of the top ten or twelve players in this draft. Uh, now I think he will get dinged with the size too uh, small. I think he should drop to nineteen. He doesn't. He won't have ideal length. He won't have ideal take on skills. But just watch him play. He's one of the the better players, one of the better defenders in this draft. Assuming he comes out, which should be shocked if he didn't. Uh, he, he's a big time player and big time players just, they don't last too long on the board. As long as there's no injury or off field stuff that we don't know about at this point. I didn't realize that, uh, Calvin Ridley had a little brother that played for Georgia until yesterday, a few hours before the game. Yeah. And then in the game, I felt terrible for Calvin Ridley because we know how good he is. But you're watching his little brother get his shine on because Georgia can throw the ball and Alabama can't. And yeah. you're just like, wow, maybe the best receiver in the country has to watch his little brother show out and can't get the ball because his quarterback can't throw. I felt terrible for him. Did you, which uh, version of the game did you watch on? Just regular ESPN? I watched regular. I watched regular. I watched the coach's version. Um, so I didn't what hear, a nerd I, you I, are. It, it was the All-22 uh, as the main broadcast view. And so it was outstanding to watch. And I heard, I got a lot of tweets and texts about Calvin Ridley, like, oh, he's not showing up. He's not having a good game. He's underwhelming. Oh, he was open. He was open almost every play. It was unbelievable. He creates separation at will. Uh, Now, he had that bad drop on that screen. Uh, He also had a few other targets in his direction that were contested throws. Um, I wouldn't count them as drops. 
but he routinely got open whenever he wanted. Uh, if Alabama had a worthy quarterback or if they just had Jake Fromm on their team, uh, Calvin really would have been, uh, you know, eight for 150 and a couple touchdowns. Now, he did have the touchdown late, which the quarterback wasn't even throwing to him. And You can't prove that. Did they say after the game that he wasn't? Uh, I don't know. Okay, but you I'm can't gonna, prove that, sir. No, you're right. I'm giving I the quarterback credit. But I, I'm going to give credit to Calvin Ridley for just basically intercepting it. <laughs> I mean, it, moving in front of the crowd and uh, kind of coming out of nowhere to to get that touchdown. So, look, two, uh, three touchdowns. Uh, and it, he was so inexperienced that Nick Saban had to take him out of the game in the fourth, late fourth quarter, put Jalen Hurts in just so he could spot the ball in the middle of the field for he an easier miss a field, field goal. goal. Exactly. I mean, he was that inexperienced where he couldn't do that, uh, but yet he was going to throw. He threw t- three touchdowns, uh, led Alabama to the national title. It, it, it wasn't really an amazing game, and kind of. Like, he had to throw that touchdown to end the game. I'm convinced yeah. they had to score a touchdown. Oh yeah, because if you ran that kicker back out there, that's why I thought it was over after the sack. After yeah. Tua took the sack. I was like, man, no matter what you do, you're going to gain some yards, and you're going to run that kicker out there, and there's no chance. Well, overtime, it was fun because after Fromm took that sack on third down, you're like, oh, shoot. Like, what do you you go try and go for it? What do you – oh, they're going to field goal. All right. And then he nails it. And yeah. then for Alabama, you just – well, there's uh, the big difference between field goal kickers here. And second and 26, what do you – you know, do you just dump off a screen and set up a, a third and – 12 no, or something. Throw bombs, Dane. No, throw you, bombs. You go four vertical and it's it's a touchdown. I, it was a, a bad play by Georgia defensively. It, there's no way around that. But give two a credit. You could Watching the game, you could tell using his eyes uh, to look off the safety. Uh, he never left the hash mark and then just deliver that vertical strike for the touchdown. Uh, it's really an amazing play. Something that's going to go down as uh, you know one of the better, like you said, one of the better games. And also, like you said, it was a buffet of co- prospects for NFL teams to watch. Deron Payne. That's had, the best game I've ever seen him play. It, I, I've it seen was. him play like five games, but that's no, the I, best I, I game agree. by far. He, and he was already a first-round player uh, because I think he, when you look at the traits, uh, they just don't make many human beings like that that can move like that at that size, have that power. Um, and when you watch him on tape... And you see what he was asked to do. He wasn't asked to get after the quarterback very often. He was asked to, uh, you know, command doubles, uh, eat up the blocks, let the linebackers do things. The last two weeks, Alabama kind of set him loose. And he's he's not on the same level as Indomitian Sue, but he has some Sue to his game with the way he played, especially last night. I think, you know, he knew it was his final game in college. He kind of wanted to go out with a bang. I think that was obvious. He played motivated. Time to freelance. You wish you got that a little more often. Because uh, you, when well, I mean, this year he's made two tackles behind the line of scrimmage before that game. Right, two. He and had one sack and he had one tackle for loss. Going you studied him last week, so you studied. Him I was before a little bit game. underwhelmed compared to what I thought he was going to be. Right, and like you're saying, I would see the traits. You know, when he decided to rush the pass, you're like, man, he moves really well for being that big. And then there are plays where you get to see him flash the power, but a lot of times, I mean, I actually have in my notes at some point just a guy. That's kind of what he's just kind of in there, just kind of doing his job and okay. But boy, last night he let it rip. And I was like, okay, I, that's one of those ones where it's like, okay, now I see what people are saying about him. So how does that work into your evaluation that he showed up on the biggest stage like that? But why, you know, you're asking questions. Why don't we see it all year? Why uh, am I just, am I not impressed until now? How does that 
for you personally, how does that work into your evaluation of Deron Payne? Uh, I think that could be the tough part because I think you're probably on it and that he does what he's asked to do. And that can be a challenge with some guys when you're watching. We want to see every defensive lineman just be allowed to freelance on every play. <laughs> right. Because I want to see what he's capable of. Yeah. Hey, is he going to win the edge? Hey, is he going to bull rush a guy? Hey, is he going to, can he stack this guy up and then discard him and go get the running back? But, you know, schematically, Alabama's got studs everywhere. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, you're the one technique. Your job is to be there. That's your job. And so watching him, I think it, it, it was a struggle for me to try to understand where he was a first-round player. Then you see him last night, and I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> okay, I got you. See you in the first round. Yeah, and Deron Payne had the game of his life. Uh, we didn't hear much from Minka Fitzpatrick, but I think just, you know, I, Georgia didn't really test him very much in coverage. Uh, he had a few good pressures off the edge. That's what he does best, really, is blitzing. Um, and then you look at you know the secondary. They had some troubles. Levi Wallace, Anthony Everett uh, had a few issues. Uh, the linebackers were okay. Rashawn Evans had a good game. Uh, but really, you know, you you look on for Georgia's defense. We mentioned Roquan Smith. That was, I mean, he's he's an impact player, no question. The defensive line uh, put some pressure on the quarterback. Uh, with John Atkins, uh, with Ledbetter. Uh, it, but when you look at it for Georgia on offense, the running back duo of Sonny Michelle and uh, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle was a better a player in this better game. Day. A he, much he, better day. He was the better player in this game uh, last night. And in the second half, I understand why they went to Chubb more. You know, you want to kind of. Uh, you eat away at that defense, kind of wear them down, and you can do that better with Chubb than you can Michelle. Uh, but Nick Chubb just wasn't very effective. And well, meanwhile, Sony Michelle he had six carries in the second half, and he averaged over six yards uh, per carry uh, on those six carries. So a little bit of a I, again, I understand why they went to Nick Chubb, tried to just wear down that defense late in the game, but. Uh, it might have ended up hurting them because Sonny Michelle was a more effective back last night. Well, and Chubb didn't make plays last night that I think if you just told me, hey, they're going to run this play again, it's going to go the exact same way to the very end. What's going to happen? I would say, well, Nick Chubb's not going to get tackled. Yeah. Because he is one of the guys that when you watch uh, him play consistently with Nick Chubb, he may be the best in the class at if you don't really get a hold of him. If you're trying to go low and you get a leg, and like he's he's incredible at staying up yeah. versus that. He's he incredible is. at it. And in the game last night, uh, I forgot who it was. It might have been Levi Wallace or somebody where they just get a foot. Normally, that doesn't take Nick Chubb down. He mm-hmm. runs right through it. But you get it just right. You kind of get lucky, and you made it happen. Yeah. Um, I do think the NFL is going to love Sony Michelle. Oh yeah, I, he just I agree. seems like I know they don't throw to him a lot, but he seems like that sort of back. When you watch him run, he seems like the guy that you're going to find a way to get him the ball in space and watch him make big plays. And I don't think he's Alvin Kamara. I, right. I received a lot of messages last night, and I think people kind of live in the moment. Uh, you know, he's the next Alvin Kamara. And, you know, a lot of people didn't know who Sonny Michelle was until these last two weeks and what he did against Oklahoma and then what he did last night. Look, Sonny Michelle's been one of the best running backs in the nation all year. This isn't something that just kind of popped up. Uh, him and Chubb are uh, both outstanding players, and they're both second-round picks. And it's going to be uh, an interesting debate the next few months about who's who's the better prospect. Uh, if you say Nick Chubb, I get it. That lower body, the balance, uh, the power, uh, it, there's a lot to like about Nick Chubb. Now, based on last night, you wouldn't think so, but the full body of work, the entire season, 
that's where you know you're gonna really like Nick Chubb and then Sony Michelle. I think you're right in terms of being an every down player, true three down guy. He is not afraid to stick his nose in the fire and pass protection. He'll he'll be a blocker. Uh, they don't give him a lot of pass catching opportunities, but he can do that. And then you're right. He has he's not the biggest guy, but he's big enough, and he runs with that forward momentum where it just makes him a little more powerful than he is. Uh, and he's got that extra juice where he can run through tackle attempts uh, and create for himself. So. I like both these players a lot, and I think it's an interesting debate about which one do you prefer. I think a lot of teams are going to be split. There will be no consensus on who is the better Georgia running back prospect. If you're, if I promise you you're going to hand it to whichever Georgia back you have 20 times a game, mm. are you taking Chubb? It'd be hard not to, yeah. Because that's kind of the way I view it. It's like, well, what am I going to ask him to do? Do I want him to run it 20 times a game and we're going downhill? I want Nick Chubb. Right. Am I going to ask him to carry it? 12 times a game, and I'd like to throw it to him four or five times a game, I might take Michelle. Mm-hmm. Either way, dude, they're good. They're yeah. both, they should both go in the top, what, 50, 60? In top 60, yeah. yeah. I think they're both top 60 picks. Uh, and that, I've I've been consistent with that all year. I think both are second-round guys. The top two senior backs, all due respect to Rashad Penny, who I like a lot from San Diego State. I just like, like these two backs from Georgia as the top two seniors. And with the juniors that are coming out, uh, the running back class is really shaping up to be uh, an awesome group this year. At the top, of course, we have Saquon Barkley. Uh, and then that next tier, for me, you have Darius Geis and Carrion Johnson, two SEC backs, LSU and Auburn. And then you have just a, a log jam of running backs in the in that second-round range. Ronald Jones from USC, Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Damian Harris from Alabama. Didn't have a great game, but uh, he's had a great season. Uh, he's in that mix. Rashad, Perry, uh, Rashad Penny. So there's a lot of running back prospects that if you know if you don't get Saquon Barkley in the first round, it's okay. There will be plenty of options for you on day two. Does that ever make you think, well, Saquon's really, really good. He is really, really good. But this is part of that debate, I think, yeah. where it's like, hey, is running back really worth I, a top five pick? I still get questions from Cowboys fans. Okay. Uh, Jalen Ramsey and Derrick Henry or Zeke and Jalen Smith. You know, like it's just, it, it, first of all, you got to move on. Zeke's on, on your Yeah, it team. really doesn't matter. It doesn't. But, it, but the, I would have taken Jalen Ramsey. Well, to the overall larger point, it it, it does bring up a, an interesting discussion about, and we'll have it this year with guard as well, with Quentin Nelson. How early is too early to take an offensive, interior offensive lineman? Uh, uh, I think that's, for me, that would be easier to take than a running back. Because okay. because my interior offensive lineman controls his own destiny in terms of blocking the guy in front of him. Fair enough. My yeah. running back, if I can't block, yeah. if I block for five yards, Bryce Love gets five yards, Chubb gets five yards, Barkley gets five yards. It's like, how much more am I getting out of you because of you? And as running back, I just think that that is lower than other positions. That's interesting. And I, I don't think you're wrong. Um but I do think that you just mentioned those three backs would get five yards. I'd argue that maybe Barkley would get six and a half. You know, Love would get four and a half. Yeah, you know, like I, yeah, I think Chubb would get six point one. <laughs> yeah, so it's and how yeah, how do you value that? Um, because again, I don't think you pass on Saquon Barkley um, just because oh, I'll get a better one later. But it makes you feel better about if you have Saquon Barkley and say Bradley Chubb, the defensive end from NC State, on if you have a similar grade on them or Quentin Nelson or whoever, and you're debating on which guy to take, 
it makes you feel better about the depth of this running back class on day two. Uh, you know, say the Cleveland Browns, they take quarterback at one, uh, and then let's say quarterbacks go one, two, and then Bradley Chubb goes three to the Colts. Or Saquon Barkley's sitting there. That they'll have a tough decision to make because you could go running back there and you completely transform your offense with a new quarterback, new running back, uh, and you know, bright things ahead in Cleveland. But what if you know there's also a big need in the secondary, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, and then in, they have picks 33 and 35. You could go in the early first round and get a Sony or in the second round, get a Sony Michelle. Uh, you know, get one of these running backs. So you don't have to do it. Is it an interesting debate? Because how Barkley's, I think he's a very good player, a, very, uh, a special player in a lot of areas. But, at, you know, where do you draw the line? It's an interesting debate. Okay, what else? Do we have anything else from the game or anything else that you wanted to hit? Because otherwise, um, I'm going we back. We talked about most of the players, like most of the prospects. Um, I think we, cut, we touched on all the big name guys. Uh, Calvin Ridley didn't have the, the big game we expected, but again, it, he's going to be confused when he goes on an NFL team. Who's that? Calvin Ridley. He's going to be confused. Oh, because the ball is accurate sometimes? It, he's actually going to see, yeah, targets at his chest, and he's actually going to get a shot, and I, it's going to be... Uh, I, I said it before, I, I think it's... I, he'd be the ideal fit for the Cowboys, uh, opposite yeah. Dez, uh, perfect fit for Dak, and I don't think it's impossible at 19 overall. Uh, just because I don't either. I wanted to talk about that because it seems like it's been a foregone conclusion that you can't have oh, Calvin yeah. Ridley. No, I think it's and, possible. Okay, I'm ready to nitpick a prospect that I really like. Mm-hmm. He's not real sturdy in terms of build. He's six he's one, a thin guy. Pro- he's probably under one. He's listed at 190. I would guess probably he's, 180. I-, I guess he's closer to about the 185 ish. Uh, and on top of that, and tell me if I'm wrong on this one, we talked about Christian Kirk the same way. There are some guys that no matter where you put the football, they can go way above their head, they can go to the mm-hmm. ground. I don't feel like Calvin Ridley is the most consistent catcher in this class. I'd agree. He can do it, just not on a consistent right. basis. You'll have, I mean, he'll have plays where you say, holy cow, yes. Yeah. But then he'll also have plays where you're like, wait, why would you drop that? Yeah. You don't drop those. But he'll, he does. Yeah, he'll, again, having Jalen Hurts as his quarterback most of the year, hurt his production in a big way. Very interesting knowing where we were going to go from right. this throw to the next throw. <laughs> but it also helped his evaluation because, again, he had to bail out the quarterback consistently. Right. Uh, and, you know, a lot of those ended up incomplete, but they were bad throws. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree. He does have a sizable catch radius. It's just not consistent uh, when he looks to finish those catches. A t- and a team could take, uh, I don't love Cortland Sutton because I'm, shying away from the big sort of raw player a little bit at this point, but an NFL team could absolutely take him over Calvin Ridley. An NFL team can look at a dude that is over 6'3", and I don't want to be unfair by using another player to say, this is why I'm scared of this guy, but like Laquan Treadwell. Okay, Mm -hmm. here's the big receiver. Corwin Sutton moves better than Treadwell did. Yeah, he did. He moves better. He's more fluid. Yeah, so you you can watch him move and be like, well, I think, you know, this guy's got the ability to maybe separate. I'd love to know what he runs in the 40. I th- he might touch the four fours, Sutton. Yeah. He might. It's possible. The dude runs well. He, he gallops. moves well. Yeah. It's just all of the it's all of the wide receiver things that I watch <laughs> with him where I'm like the okay, details. We're not a we're not a crisper out runner. Right. Um we're not good enough at using our size to get off the line of scrimmage and maintain position and yeah, beat press. But you take a guy who's 
220 moves like that and can win the high point. He could go ahead of Calvin Ridley. Well, and so much of. And how old is he? Probably 21, 20? Uh, let's see. Cortland Sutton is 20. He'll. He's 22. Okay, so uh, he, not really a big edge. Well, he turns 22 uh, his rookie year. Okay. Um, a big part of it is just the jump from what he was asked to do at SMU and what he'll be asked to do in the NFL. Like that, That's a humongous jump that is pure projection. You know, we can talk all day about the traits, and that's great, but mentally, how long will it take for him to make those adjustments where he's ready to be a number one or number two receiver when you watch him on the SMU tape, and it's just it's simple routes. Uh, you know, just he wasn't asked to do anything sophisticated in that offense. And in the NFL, it's just going to be a lot. It's going to be it's going to be a lot tougher for him. And I think we're seeing with Laquan Treadwell how the mental part of the game he struggled with it. Ceiling very high though. Exactly, Ceiling, very high. And so, how do you factor Floor, that in? Pretty low. And that's why he's a wild card. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if a team took a chance on him in the top 20 and I wouldn't be surprised if he fell out of the top 40 picks. Is there another receiver that you could see going ahead of Ridley? Um, I, Christian Kirk. I say Christian Kirk. Is there another guy other than Kirk? No, I mean, Christian Kirk's the only one that maybe, um, just because I think you, you, you know what Christian Kirk is. He's a very high floor type of player. Um, people try telling me he's the next Odell Beckham. Stop. He's not. But he, I, run around, he can't move like Odell does. No, he's not that type of. I mean, he's a very good athlete, but he's yeah. But not, Odell and Antonio Brown, like they have yeah, that, that. They're a little special when it comes to pairing their routes with their athleticism and just defensive backs don't have an answer for it. And that's not to take anything away from Christian Kirk. He's a very good player, but again, he's a, he was a, basically a slot only player in college. Uh, he has his own projection. I think at the very least, Christian Kirk's going to be a reliable slot option and. Those guys have value in today's NFL. So Christian Kirk, I think, is possible, but I still think Calvin Ridley, definitely the odds on favor to be the first wide receiver off the board. But again, and if you're the Cowboys, I think you keep tabs on Ridley. If he's available, say, the 15th, 16th pick, you trade one of those comp picks, or you see what it takes to go up three or four spots to go and get Ridley if he falls. I don't think you take a chance that uh, you know, he falls even further. I, I think you go up and get him if he falls that far, and I think it's very, very possible that he does. All right, you got other stuff, or do you need me to? Well, we, we got some questions. Well, I tweeted out last week, and I never got to him, so I got like sixty things here. Okay. Now you get to just throw them to the curb if you don't like them, or you <laughs> okay. get to answer them, whatever you like. Uh, that's just a picture of Baker Mayfield, so that's not a question. That's just a picture of Baker Mayfield. David says, "How far up do I need to trade to get Quentin Nelson?" Top five. Yeah, top 10. I think you look at uh, the lowest I could see him going. Now, I mean, this could change, obviously, but the lowest I could see him going is probably the 49ers, who have either the ninth or the 10th pick. Um, so we're talking about a top 10 player. If the Broncos get their quarterback in free agency, uh, or you know, say they get Kirk Cousins, I think five is a very possible spot for him. What's the earliest you could see Quentin Nelson going? Could you see him going two to the Giants? Is, yeah. is, you think that's possible? Yeah. I think it's possible, and I think it would be an incredibly safe pick, and it'd be a hit. Yeah, uh, there's other picks they could make that won't be as safe. Rosen, but quarterback. Yeah, I mean it has obviously more upside if you take a shot at a quarterback. But if you just want, if if you said, "Hey, Jeff," and teams do this all the time, GMs call me all the time. Yeah. They say, "Hey, who's the dude in this draft that if I pick him, you guarantee me multiple Pro Bowls?" Quentin Nelson. You're not gonna miss. Yeah, I guarantee it. You're not going to miss unless a devastating injury. 
You will not miss. Right. We've seen hyped running backs that can play miss because yeah. you don't control everything about your position. But Nelson ain't going to miss. And I think that was the mindset with the Redskins taking Brandon Scherf fifth overall a couple years ago. Um, yeah, I think ide- Nelson's better. Oh, yeah. And ideally, they drafted Scherf to play tackle, but quickly they realize, you know what, we're going to, we like him at guard. Uh, and the emergence of their of Morgan Moses helped with that. But, you know, I, I think that that helped open the door for a Quentin Nelson. I mean, you could make the easy argument he's the best player in this draft. I think he is. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say he could go too. Uh, and, you know, you have two of the best guard pl- guards in the entire NFL in the NFC East with Zach Martin and Quentin Nelson, you know, two Notre Dame alums. Big Bill, who has the Bama elephant as his avatar, says, talk about Key from LSU. I watched Arden Key, and you're going to have to help me with Arden Key. Yeah. He's supposed to be this kind of elite edge player with off-the-field concerns. I didn't even see the elite edge player. Hmm. I was used to seeing him. I think I was used to seeing him at a lighter weight a year ago. Right. Where he could really move. He didn't. He looked bigger this year, but I didn't see a guy destroying offensive tackles to the quarterback. It depends on what game you watch, I think, this year. Because he, he left the team, basically took a sabbatical uh, in the spring. He has uh, shoulder surgery. Um, there's a lot of things going on off the I watched field. Florida and Ole Miss. Okay. Um, I, he looked better later in the year, uh, like Alabama. That game, he looked a lot better. He looked more and more like the 2016 version of Arden Key. Uh, you saw the get off, the athleticism, uh, the chase skills. Uh, and I don't think we saw that necessarily in the early part of the season when he first came back, just because he had that rust. He was carrying probably a little bit too much weight uh, that he shed a little bit later on in the year. So Arden Key, he's a he's a tough guy to figure out because you have the off field, you have the injury concerns, you have uh, the questions about. I've I've had scouts tell me that he doesn't love football, that he's not going to work at it, that he's, uh, you know, he's a tremendous talent, but you're going to have to babysit him. You're going to have to continually light that fire underneath him to maximize that potential. And that's scary when you're talking about a potential first round pick. So, yeah, I'll take guys that I think are going to like play hard and try. Right. So it's uh, he's, the ultimate question for me after every game is, did you try your hardest? <laughs> and if the answer is no, I don't think I need you. <laughs> well, and it's what's his value? Because uh, again, on the field, I think potential wise, he's a first round pick all day. But when you factor in everything else, where would you feel comfortable drafting him? You know, with Randy Gregory, it was a late second round for the Cowboys, and we see how that's turned out up to this point. As soon as they change these weed rules, he's coming back. He's going to dominate. And then with Key, uh, you know, I don't I don't know. I, could it be a similar situation? Sure. He, he could follow the late second round if uh, teams are that scared off by him. Just change the stupid rule, NFL. Change the stupid rule. There's a reason no other pro sport suspends their players for smoking marijuana, because all you do is make your own league look bad. There's no point. But it's, it's, it's real more dumb. than that, though. It, it, with, again, with Key, it's, you know, is is he going to really fulfill his potential? Because, you know, you have to work at it. Once you you got to let him toke. When you let people <laughs> toke, they, they, it frees them up. Once you get to the NFL, everyone's a great athlete. Okay, everyone. And it, you have to work at it if you're going to really separate yourself. And I just don't know if Arden Key's going to be able to do that. But we need the full draft process to really figure him out. John on Twitter, do you guys see Anthony Miller from Memphis as a round one prospect? He's my prospect crush this year. 
easy to love him, I think. I uh, like him. I like him a lot, but I'm having a I'm having trouble in the second round right now. Uh, I got log figure, jam. Yeah, I got to figure things out. I got a log jam. Yeah, which is why, like, when you say is he a round one prospect, I would say no, only because I feel like there's depth there, and right. six guys aren't coming off the board in the top forty. I don't think. And so right now, what am I? I'm seven wide receivers in, and I'll take any one of them with my second round pick. Well, I'm going to name a player, and you tell me if you would take him over Anthony Miller. All right, Christian Kirk. Yes. DJ Moore. Yes. I've got those two here. I, Calvin really. I have DJ Moore right ahead of Anthony Miller. Yeah, so do I. I've got, or I have Anthony Miller right ahead of DJ Moore. I have Calvin Ridley one, Christian Kirk two, Anthony Miller three, DJ Moore four. Is Gallup at the Senior Bowl? Yeah. Okay. I need him to show out because right now I have him as my third receiver. Oh, I'm hey. going Colorado State as my third receiver. Stick to it. I love it. Uh, okay. What about James Washington? He's four. So you you would take James Washington over Anthony? Miller. No, I wouldn't. I'm going to flip DJ. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't take him over DJ Moore. I'm flipping them right now. Uh, Washington is tough. Yeah, he is. He's tough. tough. He's different. He is. And he's built like Golden Tate, but he's a deep threat with vice grips. Re- yeah, exactly. Really strong hands, but the routes are a big concern. He's not a big guy. <sighs> yeah, I, to me, Anthony Miller. Give me Anthony Miller for James Washington. That's right. just me. Oh well, hold on. I got to move stuff around here. <laughs> got to move my receivers around. It took well, all two seconds no, to convince you. No, you didn't even have to. You just had to ask a question. Sometimes <laughs> all it takes is saying things out loud. It's true. Like, hey, would you take Washington over DJ Moore? No. Then Actually, why do you have them written yeah. down that way? <laughs> Hold on. Let me flip them. Uh, uh, I did, one guy I think you, you need, I don't think you've watched yet that you need to watch is Jaleel Scott from uh, New Mexico State. Uh, 6'6 wide receiver is a lot of fun. I think you'll like him a lot. I'm eager to see where you can Can he run? Him. Yeah, he can run. Who's uh, the guy I watched last night? I watched the guy last night that couldn't run. Oh, uh, the Florida State kid. Tate. Yeah, yeah I watched him last night. He just can't run. I don't know what to do with Tate. He's uh, tall, and he can... He he's has so raw. A big he catch sh- radius sometimes. Should not have uh, come out. I, he can't run. Where'd you put him? Like the day three? Yeah, I put him in the fourth round. Yeah. He's, I, I don't he can't know. run. No, he can't. And he can't separate. And no. He better be a really good contested catcher, and he's not. Uh, Jason on Twitter says, what position is presumed to be the deepest this year, Dane? I still, I think we're still figuring out with the underclassmen coming out, but it looks like, uh, we're talking about wide receiver. I think definitely the candidate there corner to me is interesting. I think it's going to be a lot of corners in this draft, uh, with the continued influx of underclassmen coming out, uh, edge rusher running back. Um, yeah, probably those four positions I'd say so running back wide receiver corner and edge rusher so 44 pretty important positions at corner you look at it Minka Fitzpatrick to me is a top corner I have him as a corner not a safety Denzel Ward Ohio State Josh Jackson Iowa Carlton Davis Auburn Isaiah Oliver Colorado Jair Alexander Louisville uh Tavares McFadden he's he's tough I don't, I don't know what to do with him yet because he's he's not a first round player uh but He's big, he's long, uh, and he can run fast enough. Needs a lot of technique work. Uh, needs a lot of work, period. I don't know, I don't know what to, where, where to do with Tavares McFadden yet, but he's somewhere in that top 10, top 12 cornerback mix. So it's a very deep group of cover corners this year. Mike says, which QB do you not want the Giants to take? In other words, who's the best quarterback? Yeah, so if I'm a team in the NFC East, and you know who's the quarterback I don't want to see... In my division, 
Also, I'll, I'll flip it around. The quarterback I do want to see the Giants take is Josh Allen. I'd have no problem yeah, with that. Yeah, that'd be a great pick. That would be an incredible pick. I'd have no problem with that. Super high ceiling on that kid, you know? Just a rocket arm, <laughs> uh, great athlete, good size. I think, man, I think if they took him, it'd be a great pick. Well, I know Dave Gettleman listens to this podcast, so. A lot there, of GMs do. Uh, but it's interesting because, you know, like, with all these quarterbacks, they all have warts. I mean, you can poke holes in Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, even in Baker Mayfield uh, and Lamar Jackson. So, yeah, I think it's a big part of uh, these quarterbacks is where they're going to end up. Uh, you know, whoever ends up in Cleveland, better hope they, you know, Josh Gordon can stay on the field and whoever the Browns hire as an offensive coordinator knows what he's doing that can help develop a quarterback. I think whoever ends up in Cleveland is going to be okay. Yeah. I think they're a year or two away from being a good football team. You know how many times I've heard that? Hey, I believe. The Browns have had a top 10 pick yeah. so many times the last, time. since 1999. And it just boggles my mind. It's quarterback time. That the Browns have not drafted a quarter. When's the last time the Browns drafted a quarterback in the top 20? Uh, Tim Couch. 1999. Was it him? Yeah. <laughs> as many as all the issues the Browns have had at, at trying to find a quarterback, they they've haven't been, at least They've been tried. around for 20 years? Yeah. They, I mean, they took Johnny Manziel outside the top 20. They took Brady Quinn outside the top 20. Bra- uh, Brandon Whedon outside the top 20. But they have not. They passed on a, you know, Wentz, Carson Wentz. Watson. And, yeah. They... At some point, you have to stay in there and take that quarterback, take a shot at one of these promising guys, and that's why I have a hard time seeing them get out of that number one spot or going a non-quarterback at number one. I still think Sam Darnold's the favorite, uh, but by no means is you know that a, a lock uh, in any way. I, I don't. The Browns don't know who they're taking at one yet, so we certainly don't. No one does. All right, you got anything else? Because I got to go find a cough drop and some, what do they call it, the Delsum? The Have you the stuff that you drank for your... Yeah. So yeah, I didn't want to tell you before the podcast because I wanted you to actually stick around for the podcast, but I think I have strep throat. So you're oh, probably, no. you probably have it now too because this is not a big room. No, this is not a big room. Yeah, so... Okay, well, that's good to know. It's... Yeah, I should have told you before, but the people need this. They need, <laughs> they need this podcast. <laughs> oh, no! Everybody well... <sighs> tune in next week to see if Dane survives and if I pass this on to him. What do we want people to leave in the uh, reviews this week? Your favorite punter in this draft class. Okay, five. Leave the five star review, and then your favorite punter in this draft class. Your answer course, better be Michael Dixon or J.K. Scott. Of course, the Texas kid. Dixon, yeah. Where's J.K. Scott from? Is uh, that, Alabama. Is, is he related to J.K. Rowling, the Harry Potter? That'd author? be weird since they have only the first name similar, not the last name. Well, different countries do it in different ways. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where's he from? Uh, I, I don't know if he's from a different country. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week on Trust Tape. Five-star reviews in the punter stuff. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.